I ministered um, on this verse a few weeks ago down in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas at um, Brother Happy and Jeannie Caldwell's church that they, they uh, founded. And um, the Lord quickened to me to uh, read this verse here and talk about some of these and go, go further. So uh, is that okay with you? I really, I'm, I have a quickening about it. And you know, everything with the Lord is by faith. He shows you where to start. And then you'll find out the next part when you take that step, you know. And he will uh, give you an opportunity and, and an open door. And, and uh, you can stay there and look through the door and go, well, what's on the other side? And, and you'll get nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, because you know all you need to know to walk by faith. But if you'll take a step to go through the door, then you'll find out what comes next. That's how he leads. Don't try to get the whole thing before you move. It doesn't work that way. As you go, uh, you know, in his light, you receive more light. In Romans, the 12th chapter and the first verse, Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Other translations say it is your logical or intelligent ministry or worship. It's only logical, it's only reasonable, it's only intelligent that if God bought and redeemed you, spirit, soul, and body, that you serve Him. Amen. That was weak. <laughs> uh, is it or not? I mean, yes. he, he bought you. He paid for you. He sustains us. It's His gravity that's holding us on the ground. It's His oxygen we're breathing. It's his life that's the synapses firing in our brain. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but they, they just are foolish not to. It's the truth. It's reality. And, you know, one of the things that, that makes me uh, love him so much is he owns us multiple times over. He owns us by right of creation. We wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for him creating our parents. Right? And then Noah and, and, and after that, uh, we wouldn't exist. Uh, and he owns us by right of sustaining us every millisecond that I just got through describing. I mean, he's the one making our sun burn. He's the one keeping our solar system together. The Bible said all things are upheld by the word of his power. Like I said, his gravity, his oxygen. So uh, how many think we should have some kind of idea that we should be thankful, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and check in with him, could we do anything for him, yeah. right? Yeah. But then after those two things, uh, Adam and Eve, through disobeying God, bowed their knee to the enemy, gave him the authority in this world, and so man lost themselves. And Jesus came back and redeemed, purchased his own creation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, come on, can you see that? Yeah. He owns us 
already by right of creation, by right of sustaining, and he purchased his own <laughs> creation. And then says, I have the keys of death, heaven, and grave. Serve me if you want to. If you choose to. If you understand that, and you don't care about him, and you don't want, can you see why he says, it's just your reasonable servant. It's just intelligent. Right? What? That you present yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm yours. It's a good idea on a regular basis. When you open your eyes in the morning, when you lay down at night to say, Lord, I am yours to command. I belong to you. You redeemed me. I am yours. My spirit, my soul, my body, my mind, everything materially under my hand, I'm yours. And really that's what it means when Jesus is your Lord. He is Savior, but he, he needs to also be Lord. Anybody want to say that with me tonight? Confess it. Say it out loud. Lord, I belong to you. I am yours. You created me. You sustained me. You have redeemed me. And I gladly and willingly give myself to you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I am yours to command. Get glory to yourself in me, through me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is that your desire? And, and the, the committed life to him is the happiest life. Now, the devil will lie to you all that you'll listen to him. He'll tell you that if you really fully commit to obey and serve God, to find his plan and will and do it, that your fun is over. That really serving God full out is just no fun anymore. But that's a lie. If you seek to save your life in this world, Jesus said you will lose it. The harder you fight to do your own thing, it, your life literally slips through your fingers. And every time you try to grasp it, even if you get what you thought you always wanted, it won't do for you what you thought it would do. It can't satisfy your spirit and heart because we are created to serve him. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that right? For his pleasure, we are created. And the thing that will make you the most content and the most fulfilled is pleasing him. Hallelujah. People say, well, you know, when, uh, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, that says some negative things about mama. <laughs> Uh-oh, did I say the wrong thing? That's not a scripture. The truth is, if Jesus is not happy, you're not going to be happy. But when he's pleased, oh, come on, are y'all with me? When he is pleased and you're walking in the light, you're going to have contentment. Fullness of joy yeah. is the phrase. Yeah. When you obey what he tells you, he directs you. He, he loves you 
whether you do what everything you're supposed to or not. He still loves you, but that doesn't mean he's pleased with everything you're doing. Hmm? People say, well, he loves me just the way I am. Actually, that's incorrect. No, he doesn't have to love all your goofy ways. He loves you where you are. He doesn't love all your ungodly stuff. We are supposed to be, well, actually read the next verse. What are we supposed to be doing? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And how's that going to happen? By the renewing of your mind. When we're born again, we're babies, spiritual babies. And our minds didn't get born again. And our bodies didn't get born again. It was the, the inner man. And immediately, we need to get to work on how we think. Change the way we think. How do we do that? With his word and his spirit, we, we should be learning how he thinks. And as you learn how he thinks and embrace that and believe what he says, it is transformative. And that word is, uh, is like what happens between, with a caterpillar to a, a butterfly. It's the word we get our word metamorphosis from. It's transformative. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. The more we think like him and the more we, we believe and speak like him and live like him, it's transformative. But also, there will be a greater and greater marked difference between you and unbelievers. And for this, you'll be persecuted. The Bible said, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If all unbelievers are happy with you and everything you think and believe and do, you're not doing well. You are conformed to the world. So there's not much difference between you and the world. Now, I'm not talking about trying to preach down on everybody and, and tell everybody they're wrong. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about you just being uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. You becoming and acting more and more like him. You're going to be more and more different from unbelievers without even trying to be. Say it out loud, don't be conformed. To this world. See, that, that's something he told us not to do. So we have to make an effort not to do it. And we need to be continually being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now notice what the result of this renewing of the mind is. That you may prove. That we may discern, distinguish, and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Everybody say the will of God. Say it again. The will of God. One more time. The will of God. Have you ever heard anybody talk about the will of God? What is the will of God? This is one of the biggest topics and subjects we could talk about. The will of God. And uh, here we're told that by the renewing of our mind, we can discern 
what the will of God is. And he gives us three descriptors of the will of God. Now, uh, go with me to Ephesians. Just hold your place there. I know we said 1 Timothy, but uh, we'll, uh, I think we'll get to that at some point. Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Y'all okay? Hmm? Believing with me? Ephesians 5, verse 1. He said, be followers, some translations say imitators of God, as dear children. Let's keep reading for the next several verses here. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, skip on down to verse 7. He talks about people... Uh, walking in darkness. Well, there's no need for me to be in a big hurry. Are you in a big hurry? No. Huh? No. You sure? Yes. Okay. Then I'll just take my time and read more verses. Uh, he said, uh, verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You know, there's a lot of jokes we shouldn't tell. Jokes that are at somebody else's expense, you shouldn't tell. Jokes that are off color, as we say, you shouldn't tell. It's okay to be funny, but not like this. Not like the world, not what the world calls funny. Hmm? And that's not trying to be, you know, you know, holier than thou. That's just being like the master. But again, it, it'll show up a marked difference between you and the world. And there are a lot of jokes you shouldn't laugh at. Well, that'll make you unpopular right there. Huh? Huh? <laughs> if you don't laugh at ugly jokes and off-color stuff, people think, well, they think they're so superior. No, we just know the difference between good and bad, right and wrong, between the will of God and not the will of God. Keep reading. He said, this you know, well, I, uh, that no whoremonger, unclean person, covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. What we're doing right now is determining our place in the future kingdom of God. Amen. It's the truth. There, uh, God's kingdom is not socialist <laughs> or communist. Or democratic. Right. Hmm? And everybody's not going to have an equal responsibility in place. And they're not going to be uh, cookie cutter McMansions in heaven. And everybody's is the same size and the same uh, shape and everything. And everybody's not going to get a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh -uh. No. Uh, the Lord said, you know, remember he gave the parable, what we call of the talents? Yeah. Mm -hmm. One person wound up with ten, one wound up with five, one wound up with nothing. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And it, was, it had to do 
He gave to every man according to his individual ability, but then it's what they did with what he gave them that determined what they wound up with. And he, he went on to say that you'd wind up people being over cities, over five cities, over ten cities. These cities are just as real as uh, New York, Phoenix, L.A., just much nicer. <laughs> this is not theory. This is not fantasy. If you believe the Bible, you should be getting ready for this. Hmm? What we do with what he gives us is determining uh, our inheritance in the kingdom of God. And if you just flesh out and you don't try to serve him, you don't try to do what he, uh, he tells you to do, you're not going to experience this inheritance. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're lost. Some will be saved, the Bible said, yet so is by fire. Everything they did will be wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be consumed. They'll be saved, but they won't have the reward in place. And sometimes people say, well, I don't care, you know, as long as I get it. You say that now. <laughs> how many think you ought to do the best you know how to do, knowing how good the Lord is and how gracious he is? It's going to be wonderful and amazing. And here's the place he gives in the kingdom. It's eternal. It's just going to go on and on and on. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Amen. We need to act like what we are. Yeah. Right? We're redeemed. We're righteous. We've been made holy. We've been made like the master, but you can, you can act differently from what you are. We were darkness. Come on, say that out loud. We were darkness. But now we are light in the Lord. So what did he say do? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving, now this will sound familiar to that Romans 12 passage, Proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Can you see that? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now that will make you really unpopular. <laughs> really unpopular. Jesus said that's why the world hated him. Because he testified of it that its works were evil. Hmm? He wouldn't tell people that were doing wrong that they were okay. And what they were doing was okay. And he said, because of that, the world hated him. And he said, if they hated me, they'll hate you too. I know that's not what you like to hear, but it's the truth. If you walk in the light, if you walk like the master, you'll please him, but you'll displease the ungodly. You can't have it, you know, any other way. Uh, keep reading. He said, uh, it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. For all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatever does make manifest is light. 
Light, that, that concept of light is connected to truth. Truth. And when you see light, you see truth. And God is light, and He's also truth. And knowing what to do in this life is seeing light and truth. Getting revelation of His will is light and truth. Getting revelation of His plan is light and truth. And the path of the just is as the shining light, like the sun that gets brighter and brighter till the full day, noontime, bright. And God's will is that we seek Him in His Word and in uh, prayer by faith, and He will show us. Uh, what's that phrase, Lord? Um, glimpses of glory. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Flashes of light and glimpses of glory. That's the phrase. Hallelujah. Well, what does that mean? You, uh, I'm believing with you to see light right now. Right? From His Word and from His Spirit. And not just some concepts of truth in Scripture, but get light about what to do in your life right now. Something come clear that the Lord's been dealing with you about for some time, but for whatever reason, you procrastinated or it wasn't clear to you. But in his presence here, mm -hmm. in the anointing here right now, yes. before the service is over, or before this next couple of days is over, you can get it clear. Yes. You, you can see light. You can see that's his will. That's his plan. That's the Lord. And when you walk in that, then you're, you're coming out of darkness and confusion and coming into light and life. And in His light, we see even more light. And it's supposed to progressively get brighter as you go that you just more and more know why you're here, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be connected to, right? Because this thing is brief, child of God. In just a few more breaths, you're going to be out of here. And it matters, it really matters what we do with our remaining time. We're commanded to redeem the time. Hmm? Redeem the time. Don't, don't lose it. Redeem it. I know Phyllis and I, my wife, talking about this a couple of years ago, that we've already been in the ministry now. Uh, I think it's another three years, we'll be in, have been in the ministry 40 years. And we're not that old, but we're not teenagers anymore. And looking back when we started uh, the churches, it's been uh, Branson Church now, is, uh, 17 plus years old, well, that'll soon be 20. Well, uh, I'm turning 60 this year. And uh, in the Lord, with the Lord tearing is coming and sustaining you, another 20 years will put us at 80. And 20 years is nothing. Right. I mean, if you've been alive for a little while, how long is 10 years? It sounds like a long time to people, but it, it comes and goes so quick. So with the Lord sustaining us 
And with him tarrying, we'll look up in a few days and be 80 plus. That's with everything going right. Huh? We're told that, uh, you know, scores of thousands of people die on the planet somewhere every day. They're leaving here at the rate of almost uh, two per second. People are leaving here. Because there's billions on the planet and, and, you know, people are being born and people are leaving. Uh, the Bible talks about to depart and be with Christ. There are arrivals and there are departures every day by the scores of thousands. And uh, one of these days, you and I will be departing. And I'm convinced that thousands upon thousands every day when they're breathing their last, they're going, ah, oh, I thought I'd have more time. I, I thought, you know, they planned for this or they thought about that, and it's over. This life is over. It matters what we're doing right now with our time, with our days. We don't have days, much less months and years, to waste. Hmm? And so the Lord prompted Phyllis and I to pray, Lord, Help us. You told us to redeem the time. Show us what is the best use of our remaining time and resources. And help us to get on it and stay on it. Is that your desire? Let me lead you in a prayer right now. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you for my life. Forgive me for wasting any of it. I confess. I acknowledge. You have a plan, you have a plan. The, right plan the right plan for me, for me. And, I seek it. and I seek it. And I ask you, help me, help us to redeem our remaining time. Reveal to me, show us the best and highest use of our remaining days and strength and resources and I'll gladly follow you for you know best in Jesus name Amen Thank you Lord Thank you Lord We can live today and tomorrow so that we have no regrets uh, tomorrow we, we can live in such a way that when we are breathing our last, we're not kicking ourselves. We're actually ready to go. Paul did this by the Spirit of God. He said, uh, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I, I've, I've finished my course. Oh, did you hear that or not? He's not saying I'm full of regrets about what I could have done, what I should have done. Apparently, from the time he met Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was trying to destroy the church, you talk about a turnaround. He becomes the champion of the church then. Apparently, from that time to now, these decades, he has done his best to follow the Lord and, and do what he told him to do, to find his will, what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God, to find it and fulfill it. And now, when he's older, at the end of his life, he's excited about leaving. Yeah. Hallelujah. 
He said the time, he, he knew it in his spirit. The time of my departure is at hand. But instead of being scared and crying and being full of regret and, and all of that stuff, he's saying, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I'm ready. Oh, do you want to be able to say that? We can be able to say that. But not if we just do what the world does and just waste and while away the hours and, and the the days and times. Sometimes you ask people, you know, what are you doing? Ah, oh, just killing time. <laughs> that is a dumb thing to do, right? <laughs> Acting like you got a bunch of it to spare. <coughs> most, he, most people on the planet right now have far less time than they imagine they do. And we just prayed a prayer. Do you believe the Lord heard that prayer? He's the one who told us to redeem our time. So it's in line with what he told us. Then expect him to show you things. He'll show you things tonight. He'll show you things tomorrow. Like what? He'll show you what's important to him. And he'll show you what's not important to him. He'll show you things that are a waste of your time. Hmm? And if you're smart, you'll, uh, you're talking about this pastor earlier, right? You'll delete some things. If you're smart, you'll cut that out. And he'll show you some things that's important to him. If you're smart, you'll give that your priority. And give that more of your resources and attention. And when we do it, it's the happiest life there is. It's the most satisfying life. Because when he's pleased, you live in his manifested pleasure. That's how you have fullness of joy. Keep reading here. He said... Uh, Talking about inheritance, he said, light makes manifest. Verse 14, awake thou that sleeps, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. What is light? Truth. Truth is light. God is, is light and truth. His spirit is light and truth. Everything about him is light as opposed to darkness. You, you hear... And sadly, Christians saying, I just don't know what I should be doing. I don't know where I fit. I don't know why I'm here. Well, that's walking in darkness. Wow. You understand? If you don't know where you're, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be, you're walking in darkness. You know, if uh, just literally physically, if all the lights went off right now and you wandered around for a bit and you couldn't tell where, let's say, I know they got all the exit signs lit, but let's say they didn't and there was no light anywhere, there was total darkness. Well, after bumping around into chairs for a little bit and you say, well, I don't know where I am. I don't know which way to go to get out. Why is that? Because you are in darkness. You don't have light. But when you get even a little bit of light, right? You get a little bit of light, then you get some perspective. You realize, okay, that's the front and that's the back. All right, no, I came in over there. Light is wonderful. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for light. Well, just like the light in the natural is wonderful and allows you to 
to get oriented and, and find what to do and what to do next. Well, spiritually, that's one of the greatest things that we need is light from God. In His light, we see light. Light from Him about why we're born, why we're born where we were, why we're connected to the people we are. He's got a plan. He's got a will. It's not, it's not just chaos. It's not just random. You know, uh, I've said this before, and sometimes parents act surprised by it, but we need to know it. Uh, parents, sometimes meaning well, will tell their children, you know, son, daughter, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're talented. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. That's not true if you're going to be a Christian. What do you mean? If you're going to be a Christian, that's already been decided for you. What you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do has already been decided for you. It's up to us to discover it, to seek it and find it and then follow it and do it. And that's the only path that is fully blessed. Anything else, you're going to experience turmoil and problems and pain and people blame it on the Lord, but it's because they're on the wrong road. Mm. Right. Go ahead. If you're on the wrong road, you're going to go through different towns right. than if you were on the right road. Yeah. True or not? True. On the wrong road, you're going to go through Depressionville. Mm-hmm. Huh? You'll go through Poverty Town. You'll go through, you know... A trouble town. Not to say you never have any challenges in the right path, but in the right path, you're graced to overcome everything. And on the right path, the Lord has already prepared His provision for you to encounter. You're going to go through, on the right road, you go through good places. You experience His will and pleasure. Keep reading here. He said, wake. And Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now he's writing to Christians. Can Christians walk and live as fools? He's writing to the saints at Ephesus. Yes, they can. We can walk as fools or we can walk as wise. Redeeming the time. That's what we just prayed about. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore? Be ye not unwise, but what? Understanding Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Say it out loud. Don't be unwise. Don't Don't walk as fools. fools. But walk as the wise. wise. Understanding Understanding what the will of the Lord Lord is. is. Now, sadly, millions of church-going people believe a giant lie about the will of God. They believe that everything that is happening is somehow the mysterious will of God. And I say boldly, that is a lie. That is an untruth. What do you mean? Well, you hear people say, God is in control. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it depends on what you mean by that. He is omniscient. He is all-powerful. He does have a master plan that will be accomplished with you or without you. <laughs> That's the thing. His, his overall plan is going to happen. But even though it, it is his perfect will for you to be a specific part of it, that doesn't automatically happen. If it does, then you don't have a free will. If God's perfect plan for you is going to happen no matter what you do, you don't have a free will. No, the truth is, we have a completely free will. We can choose not even to believe in him, much less pursue his plan for our life. And he will allow us to do that even if it means our eternal condemnation and judgment. Even though that is completely contrary to his will. Have you read in Peter? He's not willing that any should perish. What is his will? Hmm? Now you're ready to go to Timothy. Told you we could get over there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. First Timothy 2. First Timothy 2. Thank you, Lord, for the will of God. The light for our path. First Timothy 2. Now, I'm, uh, I don't believe I'm just preaching or teaching about this. I am believing that revelation of his will is occurring right now. Hmm? You prayed a prayer with me a few minutes ago. Hmm? Are you? So you don't want to sleep through this. And you don't want to be watching your clock too close either. Right? Because the, the best use of your time is doing the will of God. But you have to find out what you are made to be. What you were made to do. Not decide what you want to be. Hmm? The reason there's so much confusion in people's lives about who they are, what they are. People are changing the concept of what they are every other week, every few months. They're basing it on what, how they feel. Well, I just feel like this. Our desires are not supposed to define us. Right. Our feelings don't tell us who and what we are. Right. These things are changeable. Yes. The things that are seen are temporal and temporary. Mm -hmm. We're, we should base our life on things that don't change. Amen. Hmm? Yeah. There are things that don't change. That, that's again, not being conformed to the world. Don't let the unbelievers Tell you who Jesus is? Don't, don't let unbelievers tell you what's right and wrong and how you're supposed to live. You'll only find this personally in his word and by his spirit. Hallelujah. John the Baptist found himself 
and found his ministry in the Bible. They didn't have a New Testament. But he found a passage in Isaiah that said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way and path of the Lord. He found himself in the scripture. Jesus found himself in the scriptures. From Isaiah again. I mean, my pass to read Isaiah. <laughs> Jesus found himself. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Yes. Oh, friends, the one we believe in knows the end from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. He knows where you fit in there. He knew you before you were ever born. Lord God. So, well, my parents said I was an accident. Well, that's all they know. <laughs> they might have been involved in your physical body, but they weren't involved in, in your spirit and the creation of your spirit. And the father of spirits was not shocked when you came along. Hmm? And he wasn't trying to rush around and find a place where he could fit you in. You have a permanent part of the God family. Oh, thank you, Lord. But it is still possible to while away your years chasing fantasies, chasing ungodly dreams, even using your God-given talents and skills and graces for ungodly purposes. Yeah. Hmm? And if you believe on him and you've received him, you're saved, your name's in the Lamb's book of life, he loves you, but you can completely miss your opportunities. And miss out on some things that you could have, should have had. No, his will. Somebody say his will. his will. Oh, thank God for his will. Go with me to 1 Timothy, the second chapter. Verse 1. 1 Timothy 1, excuse me, 2, verse 1. says, I exhort therefore that first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Amen. God hates violence. Mm -hmm. You look back in Genesis, you look in other places, that's why the, the world was destroyed in Noah's time because it had become completely full of violence. And um, God will help his people in war, but none of that is ever his perfect will and plan. That means a lot of things have gone so far off the rails, so far away from God's plan and will. He has to help protect his people from being destroyed off the earth because the devil's always trying to do that. But God's will, he said, pray. Pray for your leaders. To what end? So that we could have a quiet, peaceable life in godliness and honesty. Thank you, Lord. Verse 3. For this is what? See, this sounds familiar. This sounds like Romans 12. This is, these are two of the words, good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, yes. 
Verse uh, 4, who will, this is his will. He, he will have all men to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. Uh, sometimes people ask, you know, what, what's God doing in, in the earth nowadays? What's God doing in our generation? Well, his basic will never changes. His will is for everybody to get saved. Hmm? Has that happened? No. Why? Not, not because of him, but because human beings have a free will. I know a I was watching some years ago uh, on an internationally known talk show, interview show. Uh, the interviewer was interviewing a, a well-known pastor. And the interviewer was a professed non-believer. And so he was kind of grilling this pastor, whom I, I don't know personally, but I, I think a lot of him. Um, he was saying, well, you know, how can people believe that God, who is supposed to be love, but would send people to hell, to a place of torment. He was talking about how unreasonable that is and how, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of church going people now uh, have decided, you know, that there's no hell. We should respect the Bible, friends. Do you believe it or not? We should respect. If people ask you, well, what do you believe about that? Do not start giving them your opinion. Amen. Say, I respect the Bible. As much as I know, I believe the Bible. Amen. Again, that will make you unpopular. <laughs> but all that will live godly shall suffer some persecution along this line. So uh, his will is for all to be saved. And, and, and so uh, when he was saying that, I asked the Lord myself as I was watching, I said, Lord, what's, what's the answer to that? You know, how can a God who is love send people that he loves to a place of torment. And I mean, just like that. I don't mean I heard a voice, but very distinctly in my spirit. The Lord spoke to me. He said, son, it's not my choice. Now, is that true or not? It's not my choice. Because if it was up to him, he's not willing that any should perish. Right? And his will is that all men would be saved and beyond that to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The knowledge of the truth. Or to, to come into light. And to come into to knowledge of him who is light and truth. Knowledge of his will that is truth. You see the same words, good and acceptable, Romans as the word perfect. And we'll talk about that more I think later. But uh, God's will is first of all, if you're lost, that you get saved. Yeah. Right? And it's not like he needs to do something else to save you. He's already done everything. He took the sins of the whole world on himself, was judged for it, died for it, went to the heart of the earth, experienced judgment for it, has been raised from the dead, free from all of it, proving the price has been paid. 
for everybody's sins, no matter how terrible, no matter how grievous. But here's the thing. No matter what God has given through his grace, it will not be enjoyed unless it is received. You don't experience any gifts except the ones you receive. Somebody could give you the greatest gift in the world. They could give you a gift of new house, new cars, millions of dollars. But in order for you to enjoy it, what would have to happen? Come on. You have to receive it. If you don't receive it, no matter what was given to you, you won't experience it. And even though, uh, you know, the Lord has done all this for everybody, the only ones who will experience it are those who receive it by faith. All that's been given by grace must be received by faith. He will have all men to be saved, and he will have all men to come into the knowledge of the truth. Go back with me to Romans, please. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father. Romans. Chapter 12, I know we read it, but I want us to look at it again. Romans 12. He said, I beseech you, verse 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, logical, intelligent service and ministry. Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. God has a plan for your life. Why don't you say that out loud? God has a plan for my life. Did you know the devil has a plan for your life? Yeah. You've already missed the perfect will of the devil. You ought to shout about that. <laughs> Is his, uh, you know, complete plan for your life was to take you to hell with him. To turn you into God's enemy with him and get you to reject Jesus and not receive his lordship. He's convinced millions and millions of this. But you have flat missed the perfect will of the devil. Because you're not going to hell with him. You... Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. How many believers do I have in here? I want to, huh? You have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're not ashamed of Him. You don't care who sees and knows it. Well, then the Bible says your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. It says actually your citizenship is in heaven. Glory to God. So you have missed the perfect will of the devil. That was worth you coming to church tonight, right there. You can shout about that the rest of the year. Huh? Well, if the devil can't have you completely in his will, he'll try to get you in part of his will. Hmm? And if he can't, you know, uh, get you to go to hell with him, then if you're going to heaven, he wants you to go. Now. Get out of here. Now he... Because you're liable to tell somebody else about Jesus. Right? You're liable to do something in the will of God. And so through sickness, through accidents, 
through crime, whatever he could arrange, he wants to take you out now. He actually wanted to take you out years ago. And he's tried. But he hadn't been able to. Because God is keeping you. I said God is keeping you. His angels. You, you know some stuff that almost took you out. But most of the stuff you don't even know about. Because the Lord took care of it before it ever happened. And if we will endeavor to follow him, it gives him a perfect legal right to keep us through our whole life, to run our whole race and finish our entire course. If we're pursuing the will of God, the enemy can't take us out. Now, if you ignore God and you do your own thing and you get off in disobedience and rebel against God, you can get to a place where the enemy can take you out early and wrong. You get out from under protection. But he that dwells under the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Hallelujah. Under the shadow, under the protection of the Almighty. It's the safest place on the planet. Woo. Come on, somebody say, he's keeping me. God is keeping me. Hallelujah. His spirit is keeping you. His angels are keeping you. You remember Paul, uh, he gives a whole list. Was it in 2 Corinthians 12 or so? About all the things that happened to him. And, uh, you know, he was stoned. Yes. More than once. Well, some of these guys were like professional stoners. I mean, they knew what they were doing, right? And it's real convenient that again and again it says, and they had stones to stone. Where did they get the stones? Did they bring them to the meeting, you know? Because it, it takes a little while to go find some. It's like they came ready to stone. And uh, they don't stoned, they didn't stone to wound. No, no. To injure. No, no. And the primary target was the head. Right. And they're throwing these big rocks as hard as they can throw them. And then when they get you down, well, they just start over you, just pummeling you. And I mean, pretty much, you're dead. That's it. And one time they were convinced they had killed him and they walked away and he gets up. He gets up and the next day or so goes back into town and preaches. Yeah. Then when he, they put him on the ship, you know, with the prisoners to go to Rome, he told the owner of the ship and the captain, we don't need to launch right now. Uh, I perceive this voyage will come to, to a lot of harm and damage, not just of the, the load lading, but of our lives also. They didn't listen to him. They launched. They got in the typhoon, the hurricane. They're blown by it for weeks and uh, in the heart of that ship praying. An angel appeared to him and said, fear not, Paul. You, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You have an appointment yes. in Rome. Yes. Amen. You must appear in Rome and preach that. Well, they, the, the ship broke up. They're adrift in the sea. They're cast on the island, saved. But then he gets snake bit by a viper. Yeah. Can you see the devil is trying 
take him out. Why? Because Paul's testimony and preaching is going to influence an empire. It's going to influence the entire world of that generation and not just that generation. How many of writings that Paul penned have we preached on tonight? Right? In Grand Junction in 2019. So you can see why the devil is doing everything he can do to take this man out. He might not have known all that, but he could see some writing on the wall of what was going on. And so when you are in the will of God, you are unkillable. Till you have run your race. And finished your course. No matter what the enemy might try to do. The stoning couldn't kill him. The shipwreck couldn't kill him. The snake bite couldn't kill him. Come on, can you see this? <laughs> Why? Not because he was just physically superhuman. Wasn't that at all. It's because he has found the perfect will of God. And every day he gets up. His full attention is on doing the perfect will of God. He goes where the Lord tells him to go. He preaches what the Lord tells him to preach and teach. Come on, can you see this? He starts churches where the Lord tells him to start churches. He trains up ministers where the Lord shows him how to train. And when you're in the middle of the perfect will of God, you are in the center of the Father's hand. And Jesus said, no man can pluck you out of my Father's hand. Hallelujah. It's the safest place on the planet. And it ensures that you'll not be cut short and your time won't be robbed from you through disease or accident or crime, but you'll be able to fulfill and say with Paul, I've fought a good fight. I've I've run a good race. I've finished my course. Now I'm ready. Hallelujah. I'm ready to depart. Can you see how vital it is that we find what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Can you see that? Let me read it to you again. Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. My, 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 this world, this ungodly world, you can get caught up in it. It's very subtle. And things happen gradually. You know, you, uh, the Bible said Lot, who was, you know, nephew to Abram, vexed his righteous soul day in, day out, because he's living in Sodom. He knew better than that. But they, they're there. They're living there. And yet Peter says it, it vexed him every day living there because of how ungodly they were. Well, that's because he's, conform, he's being conformed to it. If you, if you read previous verses... He separated from from Abram when he shouldn't have. He chose selfishly. He should have realized the reason I'm so blessed is because of my relationship with him. Right? 
and, and, and connected where I'm supposed to be. That was the will of God. So he got out of the will of God when he broke off his relationship and contact with Abram. Next thing you know, the Bible said he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Mm -hmm. He's not in Sodom, but he's got a good view of Sodom. Come on, can you see this? Can you see how this works? You know, you're not in it, but you're just watching. Hmm? How'd all of us get here to start with Adam and Eve hanging around the tree? Mm-hmm. Just looking. And that's always how the enemy says, he says, oh no, I, I know we're not going to do anything. You're just looking. I know some years ago I came by a car dealership. <laughs> car caught my eye and so I pulled, Phyllis and I pulled in. Salesman came by and he said, can I help you? I said, no, nah, I'm just looking. He said, that's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man, if that ain't the truth, yeah, that's how it starts. <laughs> they were at the tree, just looking. Next thing you know, they've eaten the fruit. Lot and his family were, you know, out, out, of, out of town, but their tent is pitched towards Sodom, just looking. Just looking. It's very subtle. Very subtle. And the first time you watch stuff that you shouldn't watch, it bothers your heart. But if you watch it a bunch more, it don't bother you as much anymore. Hmm? Because your conscience is getting seared. Hmm? And next thing you know, you're going to places you shouldn't be there. And you're involved in in doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And, And you are being made like the unbelieving, ungodly world. You're being conformed instead of being transformed. Mm-hmm. Can you see the two directions? Wow. Yes. And you're not just static. You're not just staying neutral. Right. You're moving one direction or the other. Amen. The Bible warns us that uh, you know, evil communications corrupt good manners. Who you're hanging out with, you're either influencing them or they're influencing you. You know, you're moving their way or they're moving your way. There's no such thing as just being static and being stay, you know, in the same place. You're, you're moving one way or the other because of the influences. And he said, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What would that involve? That's the light. That's the truth of God's word and his spirit. You're getting light and truth his words contain his thoughts. His thoughts. God's thoughts. Hallelujah. Well, isn't that what we're doing right now? I didn't write this. You didn't write this. Whose thoughts are these? God's, you and I are immersing ourselves in God's thoughts. Huh? These thoughts are light. These thoughts are life. These thoughts are truth. Tell me what the truth will do for you, can do for you. What can the truth do for you? Lies are darkness. And lies blind and lies bind. Bring into bondage. But the truth is light. And the truth lets you see and the truth makes you free. 
Free. Oh, somebody say free. Free. Do you understand? There's nothing that you've been in bondage to that you can't get free from. That's right. Nothing. And I don't care how long it's been that way, how many times you've fallen into it, how many times you've gone the wrong way, you can be completely free. Amen. Oh, somebody say free, free. free. See, he whom the Son has set free, free indeed, free indeed completely free. Totally free. But it comes back to this, getting our mind renewed so that we stop thinking that what the world is doing is okay. And we embrace what God says is right and we align ourselves with Him. And through the revelation of the light of His truth and His word, we come to discern and prove what? Read the, read the rest of the phrase. What is that? Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Now, this did not say what is the good and better and best will of God. Although we have tended to read that into that. Because of this word acceptable. This is a King James word. And you'll, this same Greek word is translated well pleasing. In other passages in the same King James New Testament. Well pleasing. Does that mean the same thing to you as acceptable? Well pleasing. No it doesn't. When we hear acceptable we think. Well, in fact, I, I wrote down the, uh, the English definition of acceptable. Barely satisfactory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we think. You know, language changes through the years. This wasn't written in English. And so the, the, now we got even from... Uh, uh, Thousands of years ago to hundreds of years ago from Greek to English and English has totally changed in the last several hundred years. But what does it mean acceptable? We, we've thought like uh, good, better, best. But what degree of being out of the will of God is acceptable to him? <laughs> huh? what, what degree of out of God's will is well pleasing to him or good or perfect. So obviously a lot of people are not in the full will of God. But let us not assume that being marginally in the will of God is well acceptable or well pleasing to him. All of his will, God's will is all three of these. Right. God's will is good, God's will is well-pleasing, and God's will is perfect, or that word can be translated complete. This helps us identify the will of God. Bad is not God's will. Hmm? Incomplete and dis, dissatis, un, unsatisfactory is not the will of God. You don't discern the will of God just with your head. 
Yeah, your mind gets renewed, but you discern it with your heart. You discern it with your heart. And when you hear the will of God, you know it. Your heart knows it. Your heart knows good when it hears it. Now, you can be dishonest if you don't want to acknowledge it. If it's going to cramp your style in the flesh, you can pretend you didn't see it. But God knows what you saw because he's the one who showed it to you when you saw it. Amen. He was there. Right. So you can't trick him or fool him. God's will, said out loud, good. God's will is good. Do you believe this, friends? God's will is pleasing or well-pleasing. It is satisfying. Hallelujah. I've had people say, well, Brother Keith, just, you know, I, I keep praying, but it seems like there's more. You know why it seems like there's more? Because there's more. That's why. And you need to get after it till you find it. And do it. And don't drift along and waste years. Why? Because when you find it, uh, well, in fact, go to James real quickly. Let me just read it to you instead of, instead of quoting it. James. Chapter 1. Is this okay? Yes. We're laying a foundation. I hope you can come back for the next services because we want to we want to build on this. And you and I, I trust I'm talking to serious people. I don't believe the Lord wastes my time. Right, sir. Hmm? Or yours. What do you mean? Well, time is precious. I told you how we prayed, uh, Phyllis and I. And so I believe the Lord had us come out here Glory. for these days. Thank you, Lord. So this is a good use of my time. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Right? Yes, the Lord dealt with you to come. Yes. Did he or not? Yes. Then this is a good use of your time. Yes. This is not wasting your time. It's a good use of your time. So you and I are not here by accident, but by divine appointment of him that knows the end from the beginning. Yeah. The amazing plan of God, the good, the well-pleasing, the perfect, complete plan of God, you and I have tapped into, and we're going to come on into the fullness of it. Is that right? That's what we're talking about. In James 1, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. James 1, verse 4. Let patience have her perfect. Now see, one of the words for the will of God was perfect. Let patience have her what? Perfect work that you may be what? Perfect and entire wanting nothing. The psalmist said deep calls unto deep. How did you get to being born again? How did you get, uh, I mean, if you had been completely satisfied being lost, mm. you wouldn't have been interested in hearing any gospel or preaching. No. And when you heard it, you'd have had no interest in responding to it. Right. When you heard the truth, the light, it called something inside you, mm-hmm. didn't it? Mm-hmm. I remember the first time Phyllis and I heard some uh, anointed teaching and preaching on faith. It was like a first meal after starving for years. (laughs) 
And I didn't know that then. I didn't understand that then. But looking back now, it, it, it fed something that I didn't even know I had been starving for. Right. And I wanted more. I wanted more, I wanted more, I wanted more. And so every day after work, we'd come back home to our little trailer house and we had this little cassette player that was on batteries and we'd sit there and listen for hours. Didn't understand half what we're hearing, but it's feeding your spirit. Come on, can you see that Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Didn't realize it, but it's light. Is truth. Yes. And it is revealing to me the good, the well-pleasing, the perfect, complete will of God. It's given me light. And I didn't realize it then, but for that first couple of years, the Lord was getting enough faith into Phyllis and I to lead us out to uh, Oklahoma and deal with us about going to school there. Because if he'd have said it to us two years earlier, we'd have just said, that's crazy. That's you know, that's impossible. But after two years of your, fed, your faith being fed, you thought, well, all things are possible. Come on, you're, you're, you're open to looking at it. And then God helped us step by step. That was a step into his plan. And then from there was another step and another step. And we just keep taking steps further into his plan and one of these days I'll look up and my path will be done down here. Hallelujah. And, and I'm desiring that I can say with Paul, I'm not regretting, I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. We've run this thing. Hallelujah. He's helped us. We, we went where, I'm not saying we did it all perfectly, but for the larger part, we're doing what he told us to do. Can you do it? Can every believer do it? Yes, you can. And there's really no acceptable excuse for not doing it. There, there's no excuse for not doing it. Because I assure you, when we stand before the Lord and we give an account of what we've done at the judgment seat of Christ, this will not be to determine whether we're saved or lost. We'll give an account, the Bible says, of what we've done. Nobody's going to be standing there with you. It'll just be you. And there's going to be no need in you bringing up your husband or your wife or your parents or your kids or your job, come on there, listen to me. Yeah. It ain't going to cut it. Yeah. It ain't going to hold water because the Lord knows. Yeah. He knows. So, <laughs> it, it is sobering, but it's real. It's true. Soon and very soon, these things are going to transpire. And we don't want to look back. That's already done. But like we, are, we prayed initially to repent for wasting any time. But the big thing is what we do with tomorrow. Hmm? Do we just slip back into being like the world? Conformity to the world. Watching uh, six hours of ungodly TV and movies. And staying on social media and searching the internet with all kind of ungodliness. For, you know, it's a sobering thing to realize how many hours of a day you're doing this. It's a wake-up call. Yes. And how profitable is it? What's it doing for you? Is it helping you? Is it putting faith in you? Is it leading you more into the will of God? Or is it a total waste of your life and your time? You can tell so much 
about whether something is God or, or the world, ungodly world. By what I call the after test. <laughs> For lack of a better word, how do you feel right. after right. you get through doing it? Hmm? How do you feel after you spent those hours doing that? Do you feel like it was a good use of your time? Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel edified? Do you feel closer to the Lord? Or do you feel yucky? Huh? Do you feel fatigued? Do you feel like you need a spiritual shower? Well, if we're smart, we'll make some adjustments. We'll make some changes in what we're doing and not doing. Are y'all okay or not? Yes. Now, you know, we, we can quote some scriptures and talk about things and say, hallelujah, we had a good service. But if nothing changed after the service, it was in vain. Right. It was a waste of my time and yours. Yeah. I don't believe it's a waste. No. Hmm? Can y'all help me on that? I don't believe this is a waste. The trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We discern the plan and the will of God with our heart. When the Lord shows us something to do, we'll sense that's good. Then, as we begin to follow it, it's satisfying. We have a sense it's pleasing to Him, it's well-pleasing to Him, and it's pleasing to us. And when you follow it all the way, you have a sense of deep satisfaction and a sense of completion. That word perfect means complete. Complete. Everybody said out loud, Perfect. Perfect. And entire. And entire. Wanting. Wanting. See, that, mean, that means lacking nothing. 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 You can follow all the way. I, when we first got saved, and I think I'll close with this. Not long after we got saved, there were some friends of ours at the church where we went to that had just received the Spirit not long before. And when we came to town, we visited with them. And uh, I asked the young lady, they'd been married a few years, and I asked her, I said, uh, have, you, have you been reading your Bible at all? And she said, well, no, because uh, I knew that was key to them, you know, developing instead of just getting conformed to the world, just going. You know, a lot of people come and get saved and just go right back into the world. Yeah. It's sad. Uh, I said, uh, have you been reading your Bible? She said, well, no. She said, I guess nobody could ever read their Bible enough. And when she said that, something bothered me about it in my spirit. I didn't know what. But I, I knew something's not right about that. But we just talked a little bit and, and left. Later on, when I got quiet with the Lord, it came up to me again. I said, Lord, what's wrong with that? Nobody could ever read the Bible enough. You hear people say that other phrase. Well, we could never praise him enough. We could never worship him enough. We could never thank him enough. 
We could never pray enough. We could never read the word enough. We could never hear enough word. And the Lord said to me, he said, am I unreasonable? <laughs> am I unreasonable? I thought, Lord, no, I don't. I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, well, then you can read the Bible enough. <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't read the Bible enough, if he's never pleased with it, if it's never enough, then I can't please him with this. Does he or does he not know how many hours there are in a day? Huh? That you need to eat part of that time, sleep part of that time, work part of that time, right? Help the kids part of that time, right? Does, does he know that or not? Does he expect you to read the Bible 24-7? No. Is he unreasonable? No. Does he expect you to pray 24-7 and not, not work or not sleep or, or not eat? No. No. Is he unreasonable? No. He's not unreasonable. What does that mean? It means for any given time and day, you can do these things enough for now. Now tomorrow's a new day. Right? How do I know when it's enough? In your heart. Can you see that? In your heart. That's why I said you discern the will of God with your heart. You, you got to get your mind renewed so that you even know which way to look, but you don't just discern it intellectually or logically. You discern it with your heart. How, how do I know I've prayed enough today? <laughs> hmm? Because you don't have the sense that I need to pray more. <laughs> Come on, can you see that? If you have the sense, I need to feed on the word. Don't just ignore that and believe the devil's lie that I could never read enough. You certainly can. And a lot of times, just going a few minutes further is the difference. A lot of times, just going, just going a little bit further with it. Instead of stopping and feeling like you didn't do enough or you didn't finish, just a few minutes further and you'll get to a place where you sense, that's good. That's good for now. Entire. Perfect means complete. To the end of it. You'll have the sense, I'm to the end of it for now. We can, by the Spirit within us, discern the good well-pleasing, perfect, complete will of God every morning, noon, and night. Amen. Do you believe Jesus pleased the Father morning, noon, and night? He said, Jesus said, I, I do always those things that please him. Well, did Jesus pray 24-7? He preached a lot of the time. He laid hands on people. He traveled. He slept. He, you know, how did he get it right? He knew when he felt like, that's the wrong word, when he sensed that he should do extra prayer, he'd get up early and go, out, go away from and pray. He didn't necessarily do that all the time, every day, but sometimes he prayed all night long. How would you know when you should do that? When in your heart you're not satisfied. Come on, can you see that? And you sense, I, I, I still feel like I need to pray. Well, then pray. Right? 
And if you keep going, you'll get to the place where you have a release and you'll think, that's good for now. Praise God. Sometimes you just need to read another few verses, just another chapter or so, and you'll get to the place where you go, that's good for now. And where are you? You're in the perfect will of God. I don't know if you heard that or not. You are in the good, well-pleasing, perfect will of God. And Jesus walked in it completely, 24-7. His entire life, he did it as a man. Showing us how we could do it. We haven't done it perfectly like he did it, but that doesn't mean we couldn't. We can do it. Hallelujah. And we do it the same way he did it. Praise God. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody.